Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. We're going to get into the Word of God, and and I want you to begin, just open your Bibles to Deuteronomy and uh, uh, the 28th chapter this morning. I am going to continue. I was going to teach a, a message on the goodness of God, and I'll do that on Wednesday night because I really felt compelled in my heart to continue doing a series called the Doctrine of the uh, Tithing, or the Doctrine of the Tithe, and what the Bible says about tithing, because a lot of times, you know, we just, I, you just think, Vicki and I have been serving God for over 50 years, simply meaning, uh, if we're not careful, we just simply assume people know something, and therefore we don't talk much about it. And yeah, every Sunday, you know, Wednesday night, we receive tithes, uh, uh, mostly on Wednesday night, it's offerings, because there's both tithes and offerings. And... Um, so I wanted to teach on the tithe and um, maybe do it one more time. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And maybe next Sunday we'll see. And, um, but we need to know what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. Uh, things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Well, those things could be spiritual things, but they could also be natural things. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I wrote a, a, a I, I, let me read it really quick here, and I'll go on. I, I one day sat inspired by the Holy Spirit. I wrote a definition of faith. It's not going to be on the screen, but just listen to it. It says, faith is a spiritual force inherent. You can't get it from the uh, news media. You can't get it from, you know, in a cookbook. It says, faith is a spiritual force inherent in God's word, given to whosoever, say I'm a whosoever, given to whosoever believes for the purpose of taking you from the realm of limitations into the realm of spirit realm of no limitations, into the realm where nothing is impossible and where all things are possible with God. Is that powerful? And we see that example all through the Bible of people that had great faith or they had faith and God, God at, at times uh, identified some of having uh, no faith, some having little faith, and some having great faith. And God wants you to have great faith. Amen. He wants you to, to build a relationship with him so that you can trust him with all your life. I was talking the other day uh, uh, in, uh, about uh, how challenging he is sometimes to, to remember when you get older, I'm not sure what happens to the brain, but, you know, things slip. You forget things. You forget names. And it's a very frustrating thing. And, um, and so for the past year, I suppose, I've been confessing just about, especially when I forget something, I confess that I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Because the Bible says in Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. And well, what does that really mean? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me yesterday. He said, well, the mind of Christ is me. It's the Holy Ghost. He is the mind of Christ. I said, he is the mind of Christ. He takes the things given to him and imparts them to us. Isn't that beautiful? That's how important it is for you to develop this awesome, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, say this out loud. Someone is living in me. And it really, how many are born again here today? You have Jesus as your Savior. Well, you have a person living on the inside of you, and it's the Holy Spirit. And the more that you meditate on that, and the more of, the, of that, that becomes a reality, listen, the more grace and strength you'll have to watch the words you speak and the way you live, because you've got someone living inside of you. You can't hide from him. He's living in your house. <laughs> amen. I said, amen. 
Anyway, so we're going to begin or do our second teaching on, on the tithe. Well, the word tithe in the Hebrew, of course, just means sim- simply means 10%. 10% of what? Of your weekly uh, income, of what you earn uh, uh, in your job, your labor, what you do. 10% belongs uh, or uh, uh, God set apart for himself. We'll see why in a moment. Tithing is a covenant term. It is a covenant term. means means that God honors his covenant. He never breaks his covenant. Now, we as humans have broken covenants, but God never breaks his. He keeps his word. And now listen, and the reason you're here today and the reason you're saved today is because God kept his word. We sang about the mercy of God. That's a beautiful song and uh, how he loves us and, and uh, he loves us unconditionally and uh, will do everything he can to get us, us sinners into his kingdom. Amen. And uh, that Bible calls that being born again. Anyway, so tithing is a covenant term. We live in a natural world or natural realm. Our Savior lives in a supernatural or spirit realm. Amen. And so to get the blessings that he has promised you from the spirit realm to the natural realm, it takes faith. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? Amen. And the tithe, meaning 10%, is our divine connection to God's supernatural provision. And if you really stop for a moment and think about life, it seems like we never have enough. And yet, God would be unjust to say that he would be our provider and we not have enough. Come on. And so, obviously, there's things that we are obligated to do as covenant people of God so that we we keep that um, floodgate open for him to bless our lives, especially in our time of great crisis. Wednesday night, I gave a list of statistics. I'm not going to give them all tonight. Go online and listen to it. And one of the studies showed that 24% of evangelical Christians in America give. That's pretty good, 24%. What does that mean, though? 76% of them aren't satisfied with the 90% God called them to manage. Therefore, they have to steal the 10% that actually ties them spiritually to God's greater blessings. And now again, we've been pastoring over 40 years, and in 40 years, we've known many people through this congregation and, uh, that have uh, been here for years and never tithe. And uh, my love for them doesn't change Amen. at all. But they're being cheated of God's best in their lives through their disobedience to God. And so that's the only way I bring that up, just because I want you to know that you cannot disobey God willingly knowing the word of God and expect his blessings to continue to flow in your life. How many want God's blessings to flow into your life? Amen. I do too. So tithing uh, is a part of that or significant to that uh, end. Wednesday night, we looked back. We looked at the lives of, and you can listen to the tape, CD or go online. Tape, isn't that tape? That identifies me. Uh, how about reel to reel? Anyway, whatever you got. And uh, listen to the message. Uh, we talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the rewards they reaped because of their faith in and their obedience to, uh, to God. And because they did, they experienced his supernatural provision while others around them were suffering lack. So they had a divine connection to God when it came through the tithe. Amen. Our tithing confession every Sunday comes out of Deuteronomy 28 and of Malachi 3. So let's read what Moses said to the children of Israel. He says, now, God speaking through Moses, he says, now, if you fully obey me and the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the world. Amen. Thank you. Everybody say hallelujah. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. It didn't say if you obey your pastor. He said if you obey your God. So that's, that's between you and him. 
Amen. That's why I don't, you know, I teach the word of God, but then it's up to you whether you want to believe it and enforce it in your life. That's up to you as a believer. And um, you have that choice. He gave you free will. But again, I believe everyone are here today because you want God's best in your life. And I'm not just simply talking about natural things. And more importantly, I'm talking about the spiritual things of his word. Because Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. Amen. So he goes on and says, now, if you obey the Lord, no, excuse me, verse three, what's the benefits? Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Everybody, every time I read that, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Because even, let's see, this is farming. They made their living out of the dirt of the ground. Can I have an amen? Now, you have different means of provision in your life through the jobs that you work in, but still, I want you to see how they were blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. Or you'll be walking in the favor of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will be scattered in seven directions. Hallelujah. I just love that. Praise God. That belongs to you as a believer. And don't you think for a moment there isn't warfare in your life in regards to your commitment to God, because there there has been and always will be. Now, you and I are tied to this, these covenant blessings through our faith in, in, in Christ Jesus, who was called the seed of Abraham. And um, in Galatians, Paul, the apostle Paul confirms it, Galatians 3.13, look at this out of the message. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing, absorbing it completely into himself. Now, do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? Well, that is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. Come on. Is that awesome? What was the curse? Again, I want to be very, very um, uh, clear. When I read the scriptures, I don't try to pull something out that it doesn't say. What this is specifically addressing is the curse of spiritual death. Here was the curse. Here was the curse. The curse was we couldn't keep the law. Israel couldn't keep the law. Couldn't keep it. It was impossible. Why? Because they were sinners. So God gave the law or the Ten Commandments for one reason, to be a reflection to the children of Israel that they were sinners and they needed a savior. Isn't that good? So that's why the law was given in the Old Testament I'm talking about. So when he's, what he's referencing here is that the blessing of Abraham was righteousness through faith in the coming Messiah. That's what he believed. He believed that God was providing a redeemer for him. Hallelujah. And so because of his faith, he had right standing with God. Is that awesome? We look back now because Jesus already came, died on the cross, shed his blood for us and was risen from the dead. Hallelujah. So we live on the other side of redemption. Praise God. And, but which means what? We're even more responsible to, to obey what God has said in his word. Amen. So He says uh, he became a curse at the same time, dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared and we can see that Abraham's blessings is blessing singular. That is that right standing with God is present and available for all for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life. That's the Zoe life of God, the eternal life of God, his spirit in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Now, verse 29 says this. So also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant, 
Heirs according to the covenant promises, that's plural, the promises, that means provision for every area of your life, spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that beautiful? That's the provision. I mean, so want you to know, spiritually first of all, but then in every other area of your life. Now, tithing goes way back to the Garden of Eden, which we talked a little bit about Wednesday night, so we'll address a little bit and go on from here. There were two trees in the center of the garden, two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life um, was, represented two things, God's presence, and it represented God's wisdom, God's presence and God's wisdom, okay? For Adam, it was, this tree was a constant reminder, listen, of the source of his abundant life, which was God's presence, and a constant reminder of the spiritual key that gave him access to this abundant life, it was God's wisdom. We read that in Proverbs 3. Again, please go back and listen to it. You'll see Proverbs 3, verse 13 through 24, if you want to take it down. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented two things, ownership and the tithe. Ownership and the tithe. God owns all things. He owns everything. You don't own anything. You'll never own anything. It's all God's. I said it's all God's. We've just, been, we've just been privileged to manage it, amen, whatever he gives us, and take care of it. So for Adam, this tree was a constant reminder of who owned everything, that's God, and a constant reminder to him of what it re- represented, which was the tithe, and of course, the tithe was holy and consecrated to God. Say that out loud, the tithe is holy and consecrated to God. Amen. It is. It was then and it is now. Because it's a new covenant practice, which we will see, not today, but we'll see uh, next week. Okay? So for Adam, everything in the garden was his to enjoy, except the tithe. Except the tithe. The threat, excuse me, the threat of crop failure was never from a natural varmint in Adam's case. It came from a supernatural varmint disguised as a serpent, and that, that is uh, the, the old deceiver himself called Satan. Now, in Genesis 2.15, this is what God gave Adam as his spiritual instructions. The Lord God took the man, and he put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the reason I'm going to share this is because of the warfare. Uh, he even had spiritual warfare in his life. When, when God made that garden, it was in the earth, and of course, I, Revelation 12 will tell you that when Satan rebelled against God, God cast him out of heaven and onto the earth. So he was already here when Adam arrived, or when God made Adam out of the dirt of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the enemy was already here. And so his mission, Adam's mission, was to dress the garden and keep it. Look at what dress means. It means to work it. Till and enslave it, keep it in bondage, bond service, execute, laboring man, and then the word worshiper was at the end of that definition. And then the word keep means to hedge about as with thorns. That simply means I want you to build a hedge around that garden so no enemy can get in. Are you with me this morning? Yeah, that's what his responsibility was as, as a laborer of God. It means, uh, it means to guard, protect, attend to, take heed to self, keeper of self, observe, preserve, save self, and then the word watchman. So right here in these two definitions, worship, uh, worshiping and watching were the two keys to keep the enemy out of God's garden. Amen. Isn't that good? Yeah. Worshiping God and watching, uh, being alert 
1 Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking to someone to devour. Now, for every, every natural example, there's a spiritual foundation. And that means all, there, there are precepts and examples in the Old Testament of the redemptive work of Christ, and they're all types and shadows of him, all types and shadows of his redemptive work. I want you to understand that. Why? Because when it comes, when it comes to this garden, uh, remember, the two trees were in the center. The, the word, the, both trees were in the midst. All the trees were there. All the trees, but these two specific trees were in the very center of the garden, in the, in the very center of Adam's life, okay? That's, that's what the word mist means. It means center, okay? So when it comes to your life, your spiritual life, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, you are God's garden and vineyard, and you're a, his field under cultivation. Do you get that? So you're the garden of God. That's why when he told Adam, Adam, you make sure regarding that garden, you work, you work it, you enslave it, you keep it in bondage. What was that? You keep your own will in bondage to my will so that you don't step beyond the boundaries of my will and fall into sin, which is exactly what happened to him. Are you, I'm, I'm, I, do I have you yet this morning? I'm just trying to help you understand the spiritual aspect of life. And so when he said, hedge, hedge your garden uh, about as with thorns, guard or protect it, attend to it, take you to self, uh, keeper of self, it was all about Adam. It was all about what was going on in here because this is the real estate that Satan was after. Amen. In fact, if you, if, you, if you write this down if you want to, in Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 18, uh, out of the Amplified, um, no, not 18, Luke 4, verse um, I believe four, five, and six, right in there. Uh, it says that that the enemy, that that evil uh, seducer, took Jesus up onto a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, all this glory, all this magnificence, all this prosperity, all this power has been given. One translation has been granted unto me. Where did he get it from? He got it from Adam. He got it from Adam. Satan could not offer Jesus something he didn't have. It wouldn't be a true temptation. But the good news is Jesus already had it in the spirit. He was just getting it back for you and I. Why don't you go ahead and give him praise for that. Hallelujah. He's just getting it back for us. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 24 verse 1, the, um, the, uh, the earth is the Lord's and all they that dwell therein. It all belongs to him. He just got it back for you and I. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I'm telling you, this stuff is good. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're talking about the spiritual side of life. Listen, just as, as farmers oversee and manage their fields to reap the full potential of every seed, God has made you and I responsible to manage God's garden. That means our own hearts to reap the full potential of every spiritual seed that is falling upon the soil of our hearts as as it's going on at this very moment. Proverbs 4, Solomon, as he's instructing his son, he said this, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them, he's talking about the words of life, the words of God, let them penetrate deep into your heart. Deep means get rooted in the truth. <clears throat> get rooted in the truth. Don't, don't live your life. I mean, it's amazing how we try, you know, Pastor Vicky was sharing a little bit about, you know, today, there's so many Christians, they want to live, you know, out here on the very fence, uh, you know, of the world over here and, the, and, and their walk with God here, and they try to straddle this fence, you know. How many know you can't run a race when you're straddling a fence? 
Amen. And it just doesn't work. So what you want to try to do is discipline your life and stay as consecrated to God as you possibly can. If you agree, say amen. As he says, for they, God's words, bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart. See, that's your part. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So what you have to do this morning, stop from, even though we're talking about the tithe, what you have to do this morning, stop for just a moment and think, what are you allowing, what are you sowing into your own heart or what are you allowing others to sow into your heart? And we'll see what happens. There, the reason it's important because we're, talk, we're going to talk about Cain and Abel for a moment. If, uh, if, if all you're allowing is seeds of, of uh, uh, envy, jealousy, bitterness, strife, and offense in, that you're going to reap the results of that whether you like it or not. Or you can sow seeds of the nine characteristics of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, etc. If you sow those things, those things will come to pass. How many want to be Christ-like in your life? Well, you have to sow these kinds of seeds to do that. I always hear people say, well, I'll love someone when they start loving me. No, that, that's not the way it goes. If that's the way it goes, you'd be in hell today because Jesus would have never paid the price he paid for you because he, for God so loved the world that he gave his only. He's the one who loved us while we were yet sinners. It says in Romans, the eighth chapter. Thank you, Lord. Isn't the word of God wonderful? <clears throat> Think about it. Adam was the steward, and this is true, over millions of acres in fact, the state of Israel, because, see, they were always giving up land for, to compromise. It's kind of, uh, Satan, I'll give you half of my life if you just leave me alone. Not, he doesn't want half of your life. He wants all of your life. Amen. And he's not going to settle for half of your life. He wants all of your life. All right. And so, here um, was millions of acres. They say, they say uh, that you can take nine Israels and fit them in the state of South Dakota. That's how small the country is. But it wasn't that way. It, that country stretched all the way to Egypt, stretched all the way to Jordan, stretched way to, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a massive millions of acres of land. Now, it wasn't the whole earth. It was just part, it was just a garden. But see, the Bible says that Jesus said in Matthew 25, if you're faithful in the little that I'll give you, I'll make you rule over much. If you're not faithful in tithing $100, uh, the 10 of your 100, you'll never, be face, you'll never be faithful in tithing the 100 of your 1,000. You'll never be, you never will. Amen. Never will. That's where the test is. So think about it again. He was surrounded by abundance. Yet, listen, this is good. When it comes to lust, it's not about what you have. It's always about what you don't have. You hear that? Isn't that good? It's so sad when you, I've seen, you know, through the years, I married one of the most beautiful women, so I'm happy and satisfied. Hallelujah, holla, holla. But when it comes to, when it, isn't that something? A man can be married to a woman that in the natural, she's a 10, in the natural, and he's cheating on her. Why? Because lust is never satisfied. It's, it's, it's insatiable. And so get your eyes fixed on Jesus, and, and, and you, you'll conquer lust in your life. Can I have an Amen. But James 1.13 says this, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one with evil. Let's go on. But everyone is tempted when he's drawn away, drawn away, drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire. Okay? You'll never see the Holy Ghost leading you to a porn uh, site. He's leading you away from it. You're leading. You are the one that takes the bait. You'll never stand before God and blame the devil. He's that defeated foe. You're the one that's, 
uh, responsible over your garden. You're the one who's going to allow the enemy in or keep him out. Hallelujah. So keep him out. Amen. So then the evil desire when it is conceived brings forth uh, births, uh, brings birth to sin, or gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully mature, brings forth death. So don't be misled, my beloved brethren. I want you to if you, listen to this phrase. I wrote it down because when the Holy Ghost says something, I have to write it down. I have to write it down. Here's what he says. When we withhold our tithes, we're deceiving ourselves into believing that the 10% we withhold will get us what we don't have. <laughs> Let me say that again. When we withhold our tithes, we're deceiving ourselves into believing that the 10% we withhold will get us what we don't have. Is that insane? How many want to be divinely connected to God? I mean, honestly, this is one of the ways right here, through the tithe. Now turn, if you would, to Genesis 4. Why? Because the first murder in the Bible was over the tithe. The first murder in the Bible was over the tithe. Who who's, uh, shouldn't be surprised? Genesis, the fourth chapter. Let's read there. Say, praise the Lord. Genesis 4, verse 1. And Adam, and Adam knew Eve. That means he was physically intimate with her, his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Amen. And I love to read that because right there it shows you that these two are dependent on each other. Amen. Now, I don't know. You know, Cain could have been a vegetarian. I don't know. But still, when it comes to their relationship with God, they couldn't have a relationship with God without the shedding of blood. And so even when God shed the blood of the first animal that covered the sins of Adam and brought mercy to his life, they, they continued that practice and Abel believed in that practice and that's what brought him right standing with God. But it, but, but it wasn't just the blood that brought him right standing with God. It was the heart in which he brought it. See, if you bring your tithe to the storehouse and you're full of greed and you're full of offense and envy, jealousy, strife, I mean, you just, you know, your, your heart is just messed up on the inside. God cannot accept or bless your offering. Amen. It's all about the heart. I said, this is a first service and it's true. There's been people in church for years that haven't tithed, but I don't pray, oh, God, kill them. No, we, God loves people and so do we. Amen. I said, God loves people and so do we. Amen. But at True Shepherd's Heart, we'll want God's people to have his best. And I'm an amen. amen. We were sharing, he figured it out, Mr. Mathematic down here, uh, Randy. Uh, last year, when, or in June 6th, when I, when I asked the people, I said, uh, let's believe God to pay off this building. $595,000. That's a lot of money. And, and listen, in 12 months... 595,000 came in above tithes and offerings. Can you give God a good shout of praise? Above tithes and offerings. That's 50,000 a month, he figured it out for me. That came in. And, and again, it didn't come in because we robbed a bank. It didn't come in because, you know, we, you know, we just begged and pulled on you and beat you half to death tell you to give. No, no, we, I, just, I asked you two things if you remember that time. I asked you for two things. Number one, I asked you for your faith. And then I asked you simply, when it comes in, give it. Your faith and obedience. And so it was supernatural. 
It's supernatural. My point in bringing that up is this. God has not forgotten about your sacrifices. Keep your heart right, and you'll see the miracle-working power of God in your life. Give God a good shout of praise. It's true. Amen. Let's go on. So, in verse 3, in the process of time, it came to pass. That's such a powerful phrase. Why? Because things change in a process of time, especially the hearts of men. In the process of time, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So something was wrong. Why would God accept one offering and not accept the other? And really, you cannot, now will not, say that, that, the, that, that Adam brought a tithe. Because the Bible says he actually brought the firstlings of his flock. The very choices of his flock. Doesn't necessarily, didn't call it a tithe. But my point in bringing that up, I'll show you what that word means in a moment. So, um, uh, Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. Amen. So it wasn't what he brought to God as much as it was how he brought it. And, and Hebrews 11 4, uh, uh, confirms that. Uh, it says this, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought. Amen. And made the difference. And that made the difference. That, that's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. So it wasn't what he brought, but it's how he brought it. He brought his offering in a spirit of worship, in a spirit of thanksgiving, hallelujah, amen. He brought it with a heart, it connected right with God. He was in right relationship with his brother, but his brother wasn't in right relationship with him. That's why the Bible says in Galatians, Ephesians 4, verse 27, it says, when you go to bed, don't go to bed angry. Because if you do, it's going to give a foothold to the devil. So whatever you got to get resolved, get it resolved and go to bed in peace with God's presence and blessing in your life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Abel knew that, uh, that if his own heart was filled with anger, contention, strife, unforgiveness, and, uh, and uh, bitterness, his offering to God would not be accepted. On the other hand, though Cain knew the same thing, he refused to address and resolve the warfare that was raging on the inside of him. Genesis 4, verse, let's read. So in the process of time, it, that means of what was, grow, of what was growing on in the inside of both Cain and Abel, it came to pass that Cain brought over through the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel also brought the firstlings of his flock. Now remember, Abel is the youngest of the brothers, two brothers. What does that mean? Cain was the firstborn, therefore he had the right, the birthright blessings upon his life. He, had the, he was the one who had his father's name and his father's inheritance, his father's blessings. And of course, his brother would get them too, but he, he was the one, he's the one that got the best of all of his father's inheritance because he was the firstborn. But in this case, he disqualified himself from that blessing why? Because when it comes to God's will, it's always the heart. It's the heart that reveals whether you're really in covenant with God or not. Amen. <clears throat> the heart determines whether you're in right standing with God or not. So let's talk about this word firstlings. Abel brought the firstlings of his flock. That word in the Hebrew means birthright 
It means firstborn, but there was an interesting word that I had never heard of before. It's called primogenitor. That's the word. Primogenitor. Here's what it means. It means the right of succession, the action or process of inheriting a title, office, or property belonging to the firstborn child. So that's what it was with Cain versus Abel. Though Abel was the youngest, he kept the enemy at bay by being faithful, a faithful steward of his own heart. So he received from God the righteous, he gave to God a righteous offering and received in return the, the very birthright or blessings that belonged to someone else. You can do the same thing. I mean this, God never wants you to struggle financially. And I'll, I'll share this with you because it, it's important. Um, the prosperity message really has become distorted. Because um, to stand up here and tell you that God's going to give you cars and homes and all sorts of stuff if you'll give, uh, you, you have to be very careful with that. Um, you're going to leave, you're, you're going to, how many agree you're going to leave with nothing when you leave planet earth? God wants your life to be blessed. He wants you to have more than enough in the sense of he wants you to be able to bring your tithes and offers to the storehouse, pay all your bills, have good credit. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. And, 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 and be able to, you know, uh, be a blessing. That's what he wants. But, but don't be trying to pursue the temporal. Just pursue the eternal, and the temporal will be just fine. God will take care of you. You know, and this is why, this, this, listen to me, this is why I believe. When Jesus said, take no thought for your life, what are you going to eat, what are you going to drink, and what are you going to wear, that's what we think about all the time. In fact, I'm getting hungry. Uh, <laughs> amen. And he said, what did he just say? Twice he said, take no thought. Take no thought. Take no thought. Don't worry about it. Why? Because the Father already knows you have need of those things, and he's going to supply everything and show every need in your life. So even when it comes to the tithe, that's why, even when it comes to the tithe, this is no, this is no um, uh, you know, um, what are the, casino. Uh, bring your tithe, Lord, hit me, Lord, hit me, you know. This is not a casino. This is a place to come and learn how to walk with God and trust God with your life and with everything about your life. Can I have an amen? But again, I said, amen. I said this Wednesday night, you cannot violate the law of math you know, and you're making four, $600 a week, but you're spending 900 and you're expecting God to bless that. So there are responsibilities in your life to be good stewards of everything. If you agree, say amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. So he who is upright in heart will always be the one qualified to receive God's blessings. Now listen, so regarding what happened to Cain, that was not God's divine order. So he comes to Cain, God does. He didn't send a prophet, God himself came to Cain. Of course, there were no prophets at them, just Adam, his dad, and obviously wasn't listening to his dad. And so God comes to Cain, and here's what he, he I mean, hoping to receive a repentive and humble response. Here's, here's what he says. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, if you do what is right, not funny you tell your kids that? If you, kids, if you just do what is right, why? Because you did it wrong, and you suffered for it, so you wanted them to do it right. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Now that word accepted in the Hebrew means this, to be promoted in rank or character. And when God showed this to me uh, many years ago, 
uh, that word accepted jumped out. I looked it up. That's what it means in the Hebrew. I said, Lord, what, why, does it, why does it say to be, uh, to be promoted in rank or character instead of rank and character? And immediately he spoke back to me and he says, because Cain had the, he had the um, rank, but he, but he didn't have the character. He had the rank, but he didn't have the character. He just did, would not walk with God. So God's saying, but if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. Master what? Master your own sick, self-willed and rebellious heart. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And again, that word jumped out at me. Field, what, what, what is, what's in the field? Seed time and harvest. So he took him out in the field, and what does he do? He carries out what was in his heart. He murders his brother. Kills his brother. First murder in the Bible, over the tithe. How many want to be blessed this morning in your life? Well, then the Bible says to bring your tithe, so that's what we're going to do this morning. Amen. If Cain would have dug up that seed of offense through repentance, he would have never crossed that line. Hmm. It's something how the enemy of your souls will work nonstop, 24-7, baiting you to take your heart focus off of all the good things you have to focus on the one thing you don't have. And I, we have traveled the world, Vicki and I. Twice we went to Russia under communism. Today we got a high percentage of uh, Americans that believe socialism is the answer, especially some of our young people. Why? Just because they're taught by disgusting liberal um, philosophers and 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 guys and gals that believe that that is the answer. That's not the answer. How many want to be ruled independently and not ruled by your government? I do too. I'd like to keep that. And so, again, you tell a lie long enough, the lie becomes the truth. Amen. And so we, so tithing isn't an option. It's a declaration of our independence from this world's economy and our total dependence on God's heavenly economy. Thank you, Lord. So today, we're going to receive the tithes and offerings. That's why I waited till now. Why don't you give God a good clap offering? Okay? Now, give an offering of praise like you believe in the tithe. Come on. And you know what? Put a smile on your face. I'm not pulling your teeth. Uh, you have just received the word of the Lord to bring your tithes to the storehouse. So that, in fact, I'll read that to you, and then we're going to, so prepare your, your, uh, your tithe right now. And we're going to do two things today. We're going to make our confession, and then I'm going to pray over you. Now listen. Back in, remember when I read that in Proverbs? It says, uh, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Watch, watch this. Watch, watch the benefits. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. Some, something how you can be financially successful and be dying of cancer and can't even, you can't, can't do nothing about it. You can't buy your way to health. You can't buy your health. Right? Or whatever else that you're dealing with in your life. It doesn't, your obedience, your faith in and obedience to God's word will affect you in a positive way. Amen. And so I'm going to be praying for you today in regards to whatever you're facing in your life and you need God's miracle working power. We're going to pray for that at the end of the service. Amen. But I wanted to read Malachi, just going to put Malachi up there. We'll read it out of the, 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 um, the living Bible. Here's what it says. 
Okay, before I read this, so I just want to say to all of you today, I'm not here after your money. Uh, we wouldn't last 40 years if we were after your money. That's right. No, I'm, I'm just telling you that. Listen, paying this church off, we celebrated 40 years by paying this church off. Paying this off did not benefit her and I at all. It's not ours. This ministry continues on to someone else. Amen. Oh, it'd be wonderful. We could sell everything, but they have about six million bucks. Hallelujah. Hawaii, here we come. <laughs> so it didn't, it, <laughs> so it didn't benefit us personally. Do you understand that? It didn't benefit us personally. We rejoice for that. So we're not in this for the money. And we're not in this to try to get something out of you. I just wanted to teach you the importance of the tithe so you could release your faith in the goodness of God by bringing your tithes and allowing, listen, and allowing God into the situation you're facing right now financially and change the situation for you. Because with God, all good things are possible. Hallelujah. So write your tithe out, Faith Family Church, if giving cash, take an envelope, mark it, and then we're going to pray over it. I said this Wednesday night, and I'll say it again to every one of you. you if all you got today is a dollar. Brother Copeland, this is true. He was his first meeting. He was so broke. He had nothing. He had a car that wouldn't run. And in the offering, in the offering, he broke a pencil uh, or had a half of a pencil stuck in the offering and licked it shut and put it in the offering. That's all he had. And as he was heading out, somebody handed him a $200 bill. And man, he ramped the offering and dropped, in the, yeah. uh, dropped it because he wanted so bad to, to trust God and see the situation in his life change. Well, they changed, praise God. It's all about the attitude of the heart. All, always. So let's read that. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there be food enough in my temple. If you do, this is God speaking, I will open up the windows, plural, windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. Why don't you praise him like you believe that? Come on, praise him like you believe it. I believe that. Hallelujah. Yeah, I believe that. Hallelujah. I believe it. Hallelujah. He goes, so try it. Let me prove it to you. I like that. Your crops will be large. Amen. You're going you're gonna to get pay raises you didn't know you were getting. Hallelujah. Promotions that you were believing for. Come on. God opens the doors. God is your blesser, not man. Don't look to the man. Don't look to man. You look to God. Hallelujah. Amen. For I will guard them from insects and plagues. Your grapes won't shrivel away. You switch that too quick on me. And, uh, and, and so on. And all the, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Away before they ripen, says the Lord Almighty. And I, the Bible says, God, and all nations will call you blessed. You will be a land sparkling with happiness. These are the promises of the Almighty. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. I just want to add to something he said and clarify. Um, the, it says in that passage in Malachi when uh, the people said, well, how have we robbed? He says, you've robbed me. And they said, how have we robbed you, Lord? And he says, in tithes yeah. and, and offerings. offerings. And I just want to clarify the difference. The difference between a tithe and an offering. A tithe belongs to God. And he says clearly in his word, that's 10%. Tithe in the Hebrew means 10 and so that's 10% is the tithe. That belongs to God. 
you bring it. You can't give it because it's his. Some people are, are waiting on their harvest of the tithe, but you're not going to get a harvest of the tithe. However, God promises you many blessings because you prove your covenant with him. Now, an offering is something that is beyond the tithe that you decide in your heart, I'm going to give to God. That's what you give to God. The tithe is God's, but an offering you give to God. Amen. So that's the difference when you've tithed, you know, brother Higgin used to always say when you've tithed, then give an offering to your church. And after you've given an offering to your church, then send an offering to Rama so we can put more people through it. That's That's the way he would say it. Yeah. It say once you've tithed to your church and given an offering to your church, so you have something to uh, believe yeah, for a harvest yep, on. Yep. He said, then send Rama an offering so we can get the word out preached through all of these kids in school. And so that's the way he'd say it. I just felt like somebody needed clarification on that. That's, let's thank Pastor Vicki. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.